This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey, stick around until the end of this episode to hear the first five minutes of The Athletic's new incredible narrative series, Luck, where The Athletic's Colts writer, Zach Kiefer, will bring you Andrew Luck's story like you've never heard it before. Kiefer spoke with over two dozen people, from Jim Ursay to Bill Polian to Frank Reich and Chuck Pagano to David Shaw and RG3 to peel back the curtain in a way that's never been done before on one of the most unique careers in NFL history. Get all six episodes of Luck on The Athletic football show feed wherever you listen to podcasts all right everybody working up everybody's working with that time jersey the equipment has been sent off to St. Joseph, Missouri. Training camp and the triple-digit temperatures that come with it are just around the corner. The Kansas City Chiefs have their left tackle on the franchise tag and nothing more. And there are a lot more questions just around the corner as we do get ready to head up to beautiful St. Joseph. Here on Time's Ours, I, I think all three of us will make make an appearance there shortly. I'll be there tomorrow for at least a little bit. Nate, I imagine you will be as well. Seth, your commute, you're a commute from Minnesota to St. Joe. It's not a great commute from Kansas City to St. Joe. Hour and change, depending on where you're going from. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, probably worse. So if you don't make it for uh, rookie and quarterback report day we'll uh we'll forgive you but nate are you am i gonna see you out there tomorrow yes sir of course um i mean look this takes us all the way back to 2019 uh if my memory's correct where we all stand in front of a dormitory yes waiting for millionaires to walk yes. into the door you know it is the it is the opposite of the of the uh patino line of larry bird's not walking through that door it's like no (laughs) patrick mahomes is gonna walk through that door tomorrow uh so is andy reed so it's uh and a lot of rookies a lot of them um yeah i'll be there obviously i'll give you uh first day of school hugs like so happy to be back like did you have a good summer and like not <laughs> not really want the answer like just give me a, just give me like a you know just a brief a brief synopsis and then we can all move on um tomorrow is one of the best days of the year just because you really go from like almost exclusively talking about the business of football to like oh we get to actually talk about football um which is a nice change from you know just about whenever obviously the super bowl ends to when training camp begins um i'm looking forward to to seth being there at some point (laughs) of his choosing why he wants to melt is totally up to him (laughs) uh you know but for everyone who is going to make the trip to saint joe um hopefully it's a it's a fun time we all are hydrated and do you think we'll see Orlando Brown? Like will Orlando Brown walk through that door, Josh? 
Uh, Seth, who's going to be at training camp first, you or Orlando Brown? Mm. This I, is what the people want to know. I have a lot of opinions on this um, that I'm going to I'm going to keep I'm going to keep most of my bullets in the chamber right now. I'm not going to okay. not going to get right. too crazy. I would say I would think that Orlando Brown will beat me to training camp. Although I'm looking at your guys' weather forecast. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, he might beat you by a year is what you're saying. You might just yeah. pass on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now it looks like you got some nice kind of 80-degree type days coming because I know August isn't going to be any better. Right. Um, I, I would think he would beat me there because I'm not going to get there until August at some point. I usually go kind of late. Um, usually I try sometimes to go after the first preseason game because mm-hmm. um, I think it's interesting to see – you know, as they kind of start figuring who their guys are. But I'm basing that on the assumption, and I know we're going to talk a lot about Orlando Brown. And I have a lot of things to say on both sides of the argument for Orlando Brown, so I want to be careful here. I'm operating off the assumption that Orlando Brown is being advised that to get where he wants to get, he needs to have a really good year in Kansas City. Mm Mm-hmm. That I'm operating on that assumption, mm-hmm. and I will leave that at that for right now. Other than to say that assumptions are not always super accurate. That's the and, phrase. <laughs> and I, 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 I feel like there's like a five percent chance that maybe, and I could be wrong here. I feel like there's like a five percent chance that Orlando Brown and his camp believe that he could sit out for a while and have a similar year or a down year or just sit out entirely and get like top of the market money if he just hit the 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 market and i don't think that's true and i i, I so again i'm operating off this assumption that like someone sat and i was like so dude well we, we can get into it i i will let you know what my attorney advice mm. would be to orlando yes. brown later on but i think i think brown will beat me there because the, the move for him now, have a stud year. And then next year, swagger your way into Brett Veach's office and say, hey, remember that bag of money? I'll take that now. That's I might the move. need two of them. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to need two of them now. <laughs> I will, uh, I mean, we, we're just giving teases, I suppose. So I'll just tease that it sounds like you and I are about to agree on some things, which makes mm. for pretty poor podcasting. Uh, but thank goodness it doesn't have to start with us because Nate knows more than we do. Um, obviously, look, there's been information that in Nate's story up on The Athletic uh, across Twitter by Nate Taylor, all the different places that Nate has has spoken on this already. But give us kind of the crash course for people who maybe have been kind of half plugged in throughout this, uh, maybe even a little less than plugged in. Just, hey, you know, we know it didn't work out, but where was Orlando Brown? Where were the Chiefs? And, and kind of what... What do you know about how how all of this went over the last couple of weeks here, Nate, that, that now leaves us with Orlando Brown on the franchise tag, no long-term deal done after the deadline passed? Yeah, um, for Chiefs fans, and I don't think I put this in the story on Friday um, when the league's deadline obviously passed without a deal, um, but of the players that were franchise tagged, um, my understanding was Orlando had the best chance to get a deal done. Mm. Um, among like, you know, the Jesse Bates of the world. Um, you know, I, it's tough because with Orlando hiring Michael Portner as his agent five weeks before the deadline, you don't really have a lot of time to, to really, um, 
obviously negotiate. You would like to negotiate uh, in a manner that doesn't necessarily feel rushed. Obviously, we've discussed before the Chiefs had you know more leverage because they had already locked Orlando into a one-year contract anyway um, through the franchise tag, as you mentioned. The thing that I think is difficult to to truly get a feel for is how much does a six-year deal matter compared to like a five-year deal for Orlando? Mm -hmm. Because obviously the Chiefs used the six-year to to demonstrate to Orlando and to, you know, the rest of the world, hey, we gave you a six-year deal that in some ways is comparable, in some ways is bigger, and in some ways is worse. Yes, I said all three of those things. Then, mm-hmm. then Trent Williams' deal. <laughs> and that's that's sort of the beauty of it. That is like executing at a high level from a front office standpoint. Yep. Like, hey, we gave you technically a better deal, a comparable deal, and a worse deal. All in <laughs> one. Do you want to sign on the dotted line? Um, now, of course... Any player, any advisor would suggest that you're never getting to that sixth year. You're probably never getting to the fourth or fifth year of that deal, honestly. Mm -hmm. Especially as the salary cap is expected to, you know, rise and balloon with all the Amazon money. Um, So, I think Orlando probably wanted a legitimate five-year deal. Because as I've reported throughout all of this he wanted a deal that was better than what Ronnie Stanley got from the Baltimore Ravens. Everything begins and somewhat ends with Ronnie Stanley. And it helps that the Chiefs went out and pursued Trent Williams, you know, before they obviously traded for Orlando Brown last offseason, before the 2021 uh, campaign. And it helps them from a perception standpoint to say, like, hey, we gave a six-year deal that in some ways was comparable. So, like, hey. Do you want to play with Patrick Mahomes? Do you want to play, you know, for Andy Reid? Do you want to be on a competent, well-run, trying to win championships for multiple years organization? And those are legitimate questions that Orlando Brown had to sort of weigh. But from what he felt was a respect in terms of finances, he wanted a deal very similar, if not better, than what Ronnie Stanley got. And I know Josh will probably read the numbers off here in a minute. Um, But everything sort of began there. And there's just really no need for the Chiefs to move in that direction when they have this other mechanism, which is just like, all right, well, it's it's a contract year. It's a prove-it year. You will play 17 games for $16.6 million. It's the most money you've ever made in your career. And let's see what the ultimate outcome is. Um, and as I wrote in The Athletic, I mean, it is a gigantic gamble on – Orlando Brown's part, but I do think there are plenty of reasons to understand why he made the decision to not accept their offer. Mm. As it becomes to training camp, fellas, I think it's I think it's fair in our role to let the fans, listeners, readers understand. Look, he made a decision that he feels is comfortable for him. Anyone in their right mind will tell you he needs to be at training camp. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just, this is the sport. This is, this is a requirement for the sport. This is how it works. You have to, you have to show up at some point in training camp. Yeah. Hey, kick it out a week or two. 
maybe avoid a little bit of the July heat while you are running and getting into shape. Cause there's a lot of things that matter here. And, and, and again, I have no problem with players exercising leverage, but like we talked about previously, the timing of the franchise tag deadline is a masterclass in how to remove real leverage Yep. by yep. saying, well, I'll sit out. It's like, well, we can't sign you anymore. Anyway, big guy you might as well show up to camp and prove it. It's like, you know, there's just nothing you can do other than sit out out of pure spite. And look, I, I don't underestimate. I, I've talked to you guys before the value of, of spite energy. <laughs> I respect it. <laughs> I respect spite, you know, fair enough. Um, uh, Nate, I love the way that you pointed out that his deal was simultaneously worse, better, and the same as Trent Williams. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, any one of those things to be true, it just depends on what you want to look at. Right. Like if you wanted to say, well, there was more injury guarantees for Trent Williams than than Trent Williams got. You know, well, okay. You know, it was like technically more per year, but his it, basically what the way I'm reading and. Another thing, we talked about this last time, I think, too. But it was funny how clear it was who was leaking what to what people. Like, you'd get one leak that the, you know, like Adam Schefter would tweet out the huge deal that the Chiefs offered, (laughs) right? Just this massive deal with the highest bonus in history. They offered him a share of the, of and, the team. He's gonna get. Was, he's gonna get the stadium when they move to Kansas. Yeah. What? And then I just wish he would have tweeted like that. He had the audacity to say no to that. Would that would completed it. And then um, you have some people that I, I, I mean, I respect to death reporting like. Basically, it's just a bunch of fluff and a fakey deal after the first two years. Which here's the masterclass in NFL contracts. You know who's telling the truth? To quote Denzel Washington, and he got game. Both of them. Both of them. <laughs> he is telling the truth. And it's, it's all true. Because that deal, from what you can tell with what got leaked, is it was basically two years. They're saying, hey, we'll guarantee you more than you would get with two years in the franchise tag. Correct. But not that much more. Right. And if we decide we want to do something crazy in year three, yeah. And also this contract would allow you us to have pretty cheap control over you if you do play at the level that it's clear Orlando Brown either thinks he is at or can be at. If you do get to that level, well, we're going to have cheap control of you for a couple of years. We, you know, if you're Brown, you're like, wait a minute. Maybe I could do better on the open market after a great year. That And that makes sense. I can see why the team offered it. Because what you know, if he wants to beat uh, Ronnie Stanley's deal, I mean that's seventy one million dollars guaranteed. The Chiefs were never gonna do never, that. never gonna. That do was that. like I mean, that, that's that that is a nuts <laughs> number, even as of today, let alone October twenty twenty. No, you know. that that deal was insane. I mean, seventy million dollars guaranteed. The next closest is fifty. Yep, and, and that's just you were never gonna get close to that number while also trying to even touch Trent Williams' number. The only way to get to that number, like, of guaranteed would have been, like, uh, we'll do a, you know, a four-year deal. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Give the team right. some kind of, you know, it's like, but it's only, you know, 15 per year. And even then, the team probably wouldn't do it because fully guaranteed contracts are a dangerous precedent to set in the NFL. <clears throat> Cleveland Browns. Um <laughs> And <laughs> well, look, I mean, we, listen, you, it, you have to reserve it for really special classic guys. It's, by the way, yeah. it's, it, it, it's got to take a lot for you to be like, I'm rooting for Baker week one. 
Yeah. <laughs> just no. Oh my goodness. It's my house it's up, I hope he puts up fifty. I hope it he has take, the best fantasy football game in the history of recorded oh, football. It, it takes I, a lot for you to be like, I have no say in this. I really, you know, I'm just an observer. Obviously, I'm a reporter. I understand the situation. Dog, you're gonna need to ball out week one. If, I'm sorry. If, <laughs> like if, you're gonna need to get all this out. Like, don't even like Dude, the season comes down to one game. Like, God bless the Carolina Panthers, but it would be nice. Yep. You know, if if Baker was if Baker was on the field and the man who's yet to be named was not on the field, which all indications are he will not be on the field for that game. Um for for, you know, for the quarterback of the former team to play well against his, that his would, former team. Uh, let me tell you, I, I generally don't care that much what teams do. It's a business, and I don't care that much. I mean, teams are going to make business decisions. It's annoying, but what are you going to do? I don't. Uh, I don't hold. Um, how do I say this? I don't hold non-moral uh, entities to a moral standard, generally speaking. And maybe <laughs> I should, um, but I'm usually just like, yeah, that's about right. And that that makes me cynical. But in this particular case, if the Chiefs were somehow like, oh, hey. We'll let you guys just have no game. It won't be a win or a loss in week one, but you're allowed to lend out like Travis Kelsey and Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey, like whoever you want <laughs> to the Panthers that game. I'd be like, ah, you know, maybe because I mean, it would be nice to see him hang like a 70 burger on them, <laughs> but that's just me. What do I know? Maybe I'm petty. Um, yeah. Oh, no, it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely petty. Yeah. It's also justified. Bleep them. But, we, yeah. We're on the same page. Those two things can be the same. But what I was going to say, Nate, I, I can totally understand with with contract stuff. I, I, I wrote about it afterwards. Um, you know, what does this mean? Where, where are we going from here? And and I, I maybe made a mistake where I, I kind of one of the big questions that people ask, well, whose fault is this? Right? Because anytime a deal doesn't get done, people want to know who to blame. You mm. know, is it the player's fault? Yep. And mm-hmm. fans tend to side with the team. And that makes sense. They've been cheering for the team forever. You know, or is it the team's fault for being short-sighted? Some people automatically side with the player. You know, that's just what we do. We bring in our biases. Um, I used the word fault, and I said, I guess I would lean a little more towards saying it's Orlando Brown's quote-unquote fault. The reality is it's not really a fault issue so much as I can see why the Chiefs offered what they offered. And honestly, based on the details that have kind of leaked since then, they offered a little more than I would have given their leverage. Mm-hmm. And so I can see why they just like when, when it didn't get, you know, when they came back with that final offer and they said, no, I can easily see B- see Beach going, okay, uh, sure. We'll, we'll just, we'll see next year then. And I think that's probably why like six hours in advance, the sides were like, nope, we're done here. Um, but I can also see from Orlando Brown's perspective why he said no. You know what? Here, can I take it one step further? Yeah. Here, because I've been in this space this week, and I'm, I'm with you, that I, I think you can look at this and you can say, hey, I totally understand why both sides did what they did. I, here's, here's my next step that just now dawned on me as you were explaining where you're at, Seth. You know what I actually think? I think this is the most reasonable result for the information we have from both sides. Mm. It, because you have the Chiefs drawing a line in the sand at, at a totally valid, fair number. They offered a reasonable contract for what Orlando Brown has put on tape. And you have Orlando Brown's side, and I look over there and I say, if you know you're making $17 million guaranteed this year, the what was the reported guarantee you had it on there at the end, Nate? It was, I mean, you said the first two years were fully guaranteed. They were obviously looking for more than that. Right. Um, I don't know if you had a, if you had a final round number. 
on the guarantees. Yeah. Um. God, it's I. I never. I, I think thirty-two five. Yeah, thirty point two five signing yeah. bonus. Um. I'm I'm going through your story again. Yeah, but it's with, there's a lot of numbers. There's a lot of there's a lot of numbers. <laughs> but so with with that being said, with the guarantees that they had locked in on a franchise tag versus what the Chiefs were offering, I might have told Orlando Brown to do the same thing and say, hey, you know what? And this is back to what you guys were getting to on the on the camp thing. You you cannot show up out of shape and show right. up in week four. That's right. going to undercut your entire case to make. But right. if you if the Chiefs said, we're just at the most we're willing to pay for this. We've all been there about something or other. You say, hey, I want this thing, but I'm only willing to pay this much. You go, all right, well, it cost us this much to provide you this service or these goods or whatever. Well, then, okay, let's just do this $17 million this year. You're going to get $17 million guaranteed as soon as you sign on it. We're going to have a left tackle locked in on a one-year $17 million deal. That's a great one-year deal for Orlando Brown. And mm-hmm. then we'll try again next year when you can try to increase your value and see if you can convince us to pay you more for it. Th- this is deeply logical from both sides, which is one reason that I think I've kind of bristled at some of the things that have gone around the last couple of days about, like, the Chiefs being blindsided by some of this. Like, Good Lord, I- have mercy. I-, I just think this is pretty much the logical conclusion for two sides that from the outside from where i'm sitting seemed like they were doing their best to try to get a long-term deal done they disagreed on the value and the structure in that regard and now that now that we're gonna see orlando brown i think in st joe at some point and if he unless he's getting terrible advice and this changes my whole context but, if, but <laughs> i if love I'm, that you're just willing to come out and say it like no if he's getting garbage advice maybe oh, he won't no no for sure no really because i think i think that the logic totally holds if his if his case is putting on a big heavy backpack and saying all right i'm i'll be at camp i'm gonna kick ass this year and then you're going to regret not paying me more that because next year i'm gonna get even more expensive and the chiefs say you know what orlando i hope you're right because you're gonna hold patrick mahomes to the cleanest jersey in football this year if that's true and yeah. everyone is happy with that everyone wins i yeah. right and i i really i really have a, a bit of distaste for the idea that somebody has to wear the uh, has to wear the burden of screwing this one up because there was like some deeply logical, obvious middle ground that they couldn't come to. I think they just found out that they believed that their values were different, and now there's a franchise tag for them. Yeah, and and it's the franchise tag's fault. That's who it is. I mean, which is ridiculous that that exists, but they're never yeah. going to change it because it only affects like ten guys a year. Correct. Yeah. It, it's the franchise's. It's the franchise tag's fault. It's other owners. And maybe Clark Hunt included, because obviously he's a part of the the 32 votes that decided that, hey, why don't we like restrict the wages of like pretty good, not great players, you know, (laughs) guys who could like set the market for like other good to great players. Let's like restrict some of those guys to like, Mm. you know, one year deals Um, in a sport where they would never sign in a free market. Yeah. And a sport that's wildly violent and can. Yeah alter careers and earning potentials and all that. Uh, right. The last, the last thing I'll say about this is it, it's a timing function. And I, and I mm. think part of this, I, I really, sh- I'll go back to this and maybe if, you know, if, and when we see Orlando, I can sort of uh, formulate a question in a, in a fair, reasonable manner. But I think part of their discussion from Orlando Brown's side of this was, do I want to be upset right now? Or do I want to be upset in two and three years? Because as the salary cap rises, and yes, you sign this paper, it technically says you're the highest pay left tackle. But key emphasis there is it, it technically says that, even though 
You're never getting to that six-year. Yeah. So, do you want to sign a six-year deal that gives you security for two to three years, and then you'll be pissed off going into year three or four, Mm -hmm. saying you want a new deal? And, fellas, tell me what would happen if said player, regardless name, position, stature in the league, performance from the year previous, if a player says, I want to rip up my three-year deal, I want to rip up my six-year deal into the third or third or four-year deal, what, what will what will occur? What will the they would say? say they would, I, there, there, would be, there would be a flow chart, okay? Okay. Are you Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> yes, no. If no, hysterical laughter. Correct. <laughs> and even would, Mahomes, it, even Mahomes, it might be a tough conversation, but yeah. no one has that kind of juice. My my response from the ownership group was assumed to be, yeah, I bet you do. And then, <laughs> and then that would have been the end. So is it, you know, so one of the questions becomes, is it easier to be upset now because you couldn't come to the deal that you want and then go earn it in a year or take this deal only to be upset regardless of what happens in two to three years because you're going to see other guys get more money as a cap gets bigger that you think you're better than and the team mm-hmm. won't negotiate with you on a restructure. So that that that's a I think that's a question he had to really weigh and I'm interested to ask him about that. Um again as best I can to to try to find, you know, um his you know his answer to that side. But these are all the things you have to think of and I know it's 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 somewhat difficult for me to try to get every answer and I know it's a little easier for all of us as human beings just to be like, well, this doesn't help. This doesn't make me happy. This isn't what I wanted from my sports team and player of said team. Ah, I just, I just, yeah. Like, just let me, ah. like that. Yeah. Is like either a roundhouse kick or let me get this tweet off this comment, <laughs> this comment off. Let me, let me dial into the local radio station number. Like that's, that's what that all means. Um, and, I just don't think you'll feel that way on September 11th. Uh, I have yeah. not been getting. I, I've not been given any indication that Orlando Brown does want to play football. Um, I just think he wanted he wanted to see his maximum potential all the way through. Um, he has his principles. Chiefs have theirs, but I do get the sense that he will play September 11th against the Arizona Cardinals. I would be shocked, and I think from all three of us, from a paternal standpoint, would be like. No, baby. What you doing? No. So, I, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with any of that. Yep. I, I have, I have a fear though, and everything to me, you know, negotiating hard. I mean, that's part of the game. That's the the what people have to keep in mind is that when it comes to contracts, the teams and the player have inherently different interests. Mm -hmm. And you can't expect a player, no matter how hard we try to convince ourselves that it's in the player's best interest to give the team a really good deal, by and large, for most positions, you're not going to make up the money through quote-unquote legacy. Right. Because there are not a lot of, let's say, let's say, because like with NFL contracts, these high-level contracts, right? Um, even like, you know, the high level ones for like an offensive lineman or even mid-tier ones. 
a million dollars isn't a massive swing in those contracts. Mm -hmm. There are not very many um, opportunities after retirement that will give you a million dollars in a year or two years or three years. That's not like, there's just not this huge market for retired NFL players who aren't, you know, Jerry Rice. Or, you know what I mean? Some of like the really obvious, you know, are, are I'm sorry, are you Ray Lewis? Are you Joe Montana? Are you whoever? Like, you know, are you are you someone that literally everyone recognizes your face? If not, then no, we're not going to give you a Did they make a movie about you packing up the grocery <laughs> aisle? Then shut up! <laughs> Did they make a movie about you slinging that thing in a barnstorming arena in Iowa? Then don't answer my phone call. <laughs> that's that's so accurate. And I, I gosh, that was we got to watch that together. We got to watch that. Maybe we can do like a little like, content shut thing. Up. That was so funny. Um, but it just. It is worth it's worth knowing that because I don't think some people realize how tough and, and sure they got to play a game for for money they got to you know it, it, great live their dream all that stuff but life after football is very tough for most players mm. and these opportunities aren't just falling out of the sky that are million dollar opportunities they might have some ten thousand dollar opportunity fifty thousand dollar opportunities that's a lot of money not nearly as much as a million dollars. So expecting someone to to give up on even a million dollars for something like legacy, like if, if like imagine if you said to me, "Hey Seth, you know, I think you should take." A, I know you're really enjoying that 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 prosecuting that you're doing. You would be a Hubbard County legend if you're if you gave up, you know, twenty percent of your salary. So that way you guys could hire another legal assistant and prosecute people more efficiently. Yeah, they'd remember you, your name in the lights forever, guys. <laughs> and you know what when, I would when say? You, when you compare it like that, it is like, wow, we are asking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not apples yeah. to apples. Their job is different. I get that. Legacy does not No, but we, we need that extra person to go win this chip. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would say that, that sounds like a budget issue. Right. And that's the commissioner's problem. Yes, that's not that my problem. That is someone else's problem. Yeah, manage your money. I'll do my job as best I can. And the can I forward you to time, the mayor? Yeah, yeah. Can I forward you? Look, the county commissioners. Let me direct you to them. They meet every Tuesday, and the meetings are public. Like, oh. and so I mean, my answer would be, man. As soon as I mean, I will do everything I can to help my team do well at, at my job. I will be a team player. I will take on work for other people. I'll work extra hours. I'll do all those things. That's being a team player. Doing someone else's job, which is managing the budget, that's not being a team player. That's, I don't know what that is. And so there are very few occasions where it makes sense for a player to do that. And we can say for legacy, but legacy, what I would tell, like if someone said, well, Seth, it's for your legacy. And I would say, sweet, can I feed legacy to my children? Because I can't. And people, oh, well, they've already made millions. Yes, but you're talking about people who are probably have, you maybe have five people relying on you. Maybe seven, you know, if you've got a big family. A lot of NFL players have a lot more than seven people relying on them. With the assumption that, 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 that all of that income will stop soon. Like, yes. An extraordinarily short career compared to the rest of the world. Right. And I'm not asking, again, just because I know the arguments people make here. I'm not asking anyone to pity NFL players. It's, it's a good job. They're, they're talented, so they get paid a ton of money. They can do something very few people in the world can do. But 
it's very rare, those million dollar opportunities, including for NFL players. So when you have a chance to, to try to squeeze out every last million, you have to take it and you should. And the only players where it like, maybe like the legacy argument might work is like, uh, if you really want to take like, like a Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes top five quarterbacks. Yeah. Like where you're a guy, I can't even imagine. And I'm not saying he should ever take a discount. He should do whatever he wants. Although he clearly has in Patrick Mahomes. I can't even imagine what that man is making in endorsements, right? The right. Coors Light. Yes. I mean, come on. I and, mean, and Coors Light <laughs> will give Patrick Mahomes money until he is 85 years old, minimum. Exactly. Like, that will always be there. Not And, and also, just, it's not just like a million dollars in base salary. When you are talking about a difference in 30 million, like, you know, 100% of the guaranteed money that we're talking about as yeah. your difference guaranteed money in a sport that burns up your body this way is a legitimate thing. So, I mean, I, look, I, you, you he's made betting point. on himself. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and he will have guaranteed millions from this year and then try to get the most of his value next sure. year. I just, I just think that both sides pretty much made their case. It seems reasonable and they can try again next year. And the chiefs are going to get a really nice value and a player they want at left tackle and as long as Brown is not getting horrible advice, as previously mentioned, he will play some pretty good football, maybe great football. And then next year, the math is going to be different because the right. Chiefs will have a little less leverage. Maybe there's an agreement not to use that franchise tag a second time. Or maybe they will tag him a second time and do all this again. It's look, just, look, look, I, I, don't, look. I don't like the hand-wringing on this one. Look, all we're saying is, you know, look, as, 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 the, as a superintendent, all I'm asking is just, couple more janitors, couple more teachers, maybe a secretary or two. I mean, how many picks do we get back? You know, if we can't if we can't get this done. Like you don't even like our history teacher kind of at the twilight of their career. So I mean, yeah. I just I just want you to consider how those test scores are going to look if you don't sign this deal. Yeah. yeah. Cuz you know, yeah, you just sign it takes deal. a village. It, it takes a village. It really does. It's, like you just like the janitor can't do it all on his own. The prince, like, like the principal needs an assistant principal. You know what I mean? And like right now we need you to just teach English. Okay. Like how the kids going to read the test if you're not teaching them. All right. <laughs> that's man. That's eerily. That's eerily accurate. I one one final thing just to flip the other side of things on the, with all of this said and all of this understanding, I do have this fear that, it just, I might have, if I were representing Orlando Brown, and again, I would have told him, you know, you're perfectly within your rights to refuse this deal. It's a pretty reasonable deal for them to offer. But if you have a great year next year, you'll get more. That's just how that works. Yep. Some of the vibe of certain things makes me a little worried that he thinks he had a great year last year mm. and that he's already like in that conversation. And that, that worries me because, like, if you already think you're, like, in that top five conversation, you know what you might do is just sit out, do what Trent Williams did, and just but, – but, but you're not Trent Williams. And I'm not sure he's getting that advice. Like, dude, you can't show up out of shape. You can't show up really, really late. You can't sit out four games because you are not Trent bleeping Williams. And if Trent Williams showed up really out of shape in like week four, I think it would negatively impact his view as well. And yeah. he is Trent Williams. Yeah, and he is Trent Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and he just like shows up like when he showed up with the 49ers that first year, 
And like you saw reports on trade camp, they're like, man, he's like dominating Nick Bosa in practice. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's that dude. And so look, that, look, call, I'm worried, like, but we'll see. Call me when your coach puts you in motion. That's, <laughs> right. that's right. how I know you're the best left tackle in the league, dog. We yep. don't need, we don't need, we don't need pulling guards. We don't need fullbacks. We don't need fullbacks. Fullbacks are gone. We don't need we don't need the Bill Belichick trick of you know putting a wide receiver in motion as like the extra ah. blocker. Now just move the guy from the left side to the right side. Guess where the ball's going, kids? To the <laughs> yeah. right side. Behind behind the bulldozer is where the ball is going. Can you stop us? The answer is no. Nope. Nope. No. You'd that's... rather would you rather try to tackle Derrick Henry coming through the hole or just try to not get blocked by Trent Williams? Because I think Trent Williams would hurt you more. Yeah, you could you could always try the shoestring attempt, and it might yeah. work two out of two out of ten oh. times. Oh, His two out of ten is really bold. But break your ribs. <laughs> um, but we, but that, we were having this we were having this conversation a couple of weeks ago about like trying to hit a, a major league like an elite major league pitcher right. or trying to tackle Derrick Henry. And my argument was like, if it's in the context of a game and I can like turn off injuries, maybe eventually <laughs> I will be able to get my face mask like stuck on on Derrick Henry's foot, and he'll drag me for like thirty five yards before he eventually trips on my corpse sure i sure. think trent williams is going to turn me into a corpse and literally bury me six feet deep <laughs> yeah like, i think he will just he would just you, hands on you and then you would be underground before you realize what happened you Look, have, have you ever watched trey smith dive on someone after he gets him in the yeah, it's not, it's not sure. great what? that has to feel so bad like oh i'm on the good no and then they just oh it's it's not great it's it's really not and and look, I mean, Seth, you, you're better at this than, than we are. But, like, would you say that Orlando Brown was comparable to Andrew Whitworth last last year? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Although Whitworth might have been better. Whitworth was better in the postseason. That yeah. I know for a fact because I yeah, watched Whitworth those better. games. Whitworth was better in the postseason. Man, he was, like, comparable to 40-year-old Jason Peters last year. And so like, good. It, it, this is going to start to come across that like, because, hey, guess what? Jason Peters is a free agent. Like, if the Chiefs wanted to, they could sign Peters, rescind the tag, and I think they'd get good left tackle play this year. I don't think they should do that. But Brown was a top 12 to 14-ish tackle last year. Mm. It's a completely different conversation. And that's, that that's, you when you're that dude, you can't, he like, if he were a cornerback, he'd be Charvarius Ward. And Charvarius Ward mm. should you notice he didn't ask for Jalen Ramsey money, right? Or or CJ Jackson or JC or, Jackson? Oh yeah, or JC, yeah. <laughs> especially CJ. Casey Jackson. <laughs> I mean, who, who knows? To that to that point, here's one more thing on Orlando Brown that I want to put out there, and then I just realized we've been talking about him for 40 minutes almost, and that we should probably move on. It's the big story though. I, we're, we're good. Um, if if Orlando Brown plays on under the, the franchise tag this year for $17 million, and certainly if he was to do it again next year, but even right now, let's say last year, it was the last year of his rookie deal, and this year he plays for $17 million. The Chiefs gave up the 31 overall pick that was Adafi Owe, and then a third round pick that turned into Ben Cleveland, guard out of Georgia, and then a fourth that, and, and, a, and a fifth that moved around. In return, the Chiefs got Orlando Brown, 58 overall, which turned into Nick Bolton. Mm-hmm. Sixth round pick that turned into one year of Mike Hughes. Uh, and then a seventh rounder that was eventually a part of that Darian Kennard trade. Mm. If you told me, I like draft picks and I like rookie contracts, right? Yep. Everyone knows where I'm coming from. And I don't like drafting uh, linebackers in the second round. Just giving you all my all of my reasons I shouldn't say the next thing I'm going to say. 
If you made that trade for two years of cheap, above average left tackle play, I'm not sure you would do it again, but you you wouldn't look back at that as some great mismanagement of assets. It was oh, they you traded back yeah. from from Oway to Nick Bolton essentially, and then you got Orlando Brown for two seasons to play in front of Patrick Mahomes. One year ended in the AFC Championship game. This year TBD. That's like the and then, oh, and then Brown leaves and brings you back a third round compensatory pick in free agency if he just hits the market. So you get a third back as well to even out the third that you sent. That's not a tragedy, no. and I would be the person to tell you if it was right. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> I just, I just don't think. I don't think the Chiefs are hurting right now. I don't think Browns hurting right now. I don't think any fans should be wringing their hands. And and we'll just we'll see where we end. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Anything that we haven't covered here before we move on to some other things you two have written about? No, no, I think we're good. All right, well, we did it. We've so- we have solved we've the solved case. It. You're welcome, Chiefs fans. We we did it just for you just now. Uh, let's talk about another player that has has gotten uh, a lot of conversation this offseason because this is a pretty big year for him. Uh, you've both written about him recently. Nate, once in a in a story recently up on theathletic.com. Seth, as a part of a new series in the Chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. A lot at stake, part one. That's uh, with uh, A-K-E, not E-A-K. Although if some meat company wants to sponsor the newsletter, I guess I don't, that's an easy that's an easy one to make. Um, but you you both wrote about Clyde Edwards Elaire and Seth. In your context, it's that he is the player entering this season with the most to lose on the Kansas City Chiefs um, because of his expectations, his performance so far, and what this year might look like. Um, Nate, why don't you set the scene? What what has caught you as interesting in in what this offseason has looked like? Uh, and then Seth, you can talk about what exactly is on the line. Well, he does look like a better player. Now, of course, this is without pads. Um, it's mostly passing drills at this standpoint. Um, but but you're right in sort of framing this, Josh. This is it. Like, it's this is – it's got to happen now. Um, you know, for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, as I wrote in the story, he will enter camp, you know, really for the first time, fully healthy, fully aware of the offense, um, not having to deal with, obviously, the COVID restrictions that were in place when he was a rookie. Um, so he, so all things indicate that he is a better player now than when he entered the league in 2019. Now it's about producing at the level of expectations to where, um, his production sort of matches his potential or his skill set. The thing that blew my mind and it's, it's toward the end of the story. Um, and I, I remember obviously texting you guys about it was just that, there's going to be a running back at some point who's going to succeed or excel with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. Mm. Um, yes, yes, I, I, I know that player used to be. I know who that player used to be. I know. I was there. It was 2018. I saw it. But offenses probably, excuse me, defenses probably should still be doing the, the, the cover too. At least to start. Don't ever go back to that 
Cinco High nonsense. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Don't do it, y'all. Um, so the guy with the least amount of snaps in the league with less than eight men in the box was Clyde. And he, he just didn't do a good job on those snaps. Mm-hmm. Um, That's got to change. And I think there's a real chance for the offensive line to get better because all those guys, including Orlando Brown, will be in their second year together. Um, Obviously, you know, uh, Andrew Wiley, if he is the right tackle, he's been with the team a little bit longer, but obviously playing that position um, from a starting standpoint, this will be his second year as well. Um, It's all right there. It it looks like the opportunity for him to really succeed and have a breakout season is all right there in front of him. But it's, but it's, as Seth mentions, and as I've read from his piece, man, it. I feel like there's just as much pressure on Clyde as there is Orlando, and I just didn't think that going into this week. But but Seth kind of convinced me um, through the yes. things he wrote in terms of what's yeah what's really at stake for for Clyde. Mm-hmm. And so I, I appreciate that. And so I, I even put in the article I put him as number one, but. I uh I I kind of just numbered them because I felt the need to, <laughs> and so like all four of those guys, I wouldn't say which one has the most to lose, um because some of the guys that I listed here are guys that might be out of the league without a strong year, and 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 or at the very best you know end up on some one year prove it deal somewhere you know where you're kind of on that trajectory on a running back scale. I don't think Clyde's that far off. And if, and if if he's anonymous this year, he will sign a one year three million dollar deal with the Saints next offseason. For sure. For sure. I just think like if if like Colin Saunders is anonymous this year, True. You're right. he's That's gonna fair. sign a maybe a one year eight hundred thousand dollar deal. Okay. But I mean okay, Seth, point, here let me I'm sorry, Holt. I think Clyde has the farthest to fall of your group. I and think that, he is number one by where he's at now to where he could be in perception nationally in a year. That's actually why I put him first too. So I mean, so you could have just let it be. <laughs> you could have just let him stay at number one. I think you were right. Uh, but this, but know. this, but this is the this is this is why the show works. This is the podcast. Yeah, no, you're right. That's this a great point, the, Nate. This is why no, the podcast works. That is you. That is you having the ability to step away from the show more than I can for the moment and just go, Josh. No, it's no, no. It's okay. You yelling at Seth and Seth yelling about at you about Clyde is literally where the show makes its money. Yep. Yeah, that that's yep. that's where we're at. That and like. Talking about Hall of Fame quarterbacks, which on a side note, remind me sometime to talk to you guys about a thread that's out there about John Elway and why he's actually not that good. What? I'm very familiar familiar with this. I don't need this one because I already got Troy, but if one of you guys wants Elway, I'm all for it. Oh my. Some other time. Who thinks Elway isn't good at football? Nate, you gotta wait. You, you, Nate, you gotta wait. Seth's only got like five minutes left, and he's gotta go like out of vacation okay, by Because his brand will, is even stronger than ours. I will text you the thread um, because it's actually really compelling. Come on, vacation. No. Back with that. Oh. Clyde. So here, here's the deal with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Like you said, he's set up to succeed this year, and that's where really a lot of the danger lies um, because it's just they've done everything. Like they've got a good offensive line. You've obviously got Mahomes. You they've shown a little more tendency to run power. Um, they, I mean, this is it. And here's the the big difference for him this year as opposed to last year. Is this year they specifically brought in someone who has a little more juice in terms of a name and Ronald Jones, who is a good runner of the football, 
We're not going to talk about pass protection and catching <laughs> the football. Mm-hmm. But they brought him in there to where he could legitimately take those first and second down snaps from him easily yep. if he's not above average. Because Ronald Jones is an above average runner of the football. I think he could really eat behind this line. And so he'll have to actually perform out to, you know, because Daryl Williams, I like Daryl Williams a lot. Above average receiver, not an above average runner. Derek Gore, average runner, average receiver. I mean, and the only one that really provided a little more juice at times would be Jarek McKinnon, who had some injury concerns. And, you know, he's kind of a smaller guy, all that stuff. And this year they brought back McKinnon. And now they've got Ronald Jones. And they really, they, they, like you said, Josh, he's got so far to fall, right? Because he was just a first-round pick two years ago, and he still kind of gets talked about at least somewhat uh, as a guy who's, you know, one part of the weaponry on offense. If he doesn't make it happen this year, that could, in theory, lead to him getting replaced on first and second down by Jones and McKinnon on third down. And it could easily happen because those are both competent players. And if that happens, like you said, I mean, he goes – because, I mean, you know, he was a first-round pick, so it's a four-year contract. So he probably won't be cut. But that fourth year, it's not like it really hurts the team that much to move on. Mm-hmm. And so he's got a ton to lose. Um, and, and, I mean, I'm rooting for him. I, I think he's talented. But it, it doesn't help when you are a controversial pick. And any first-round running back is going to be a controversial pick. So if you go that route and you go against what we know about, you know, the numbers and what moves the needle and what doesn't, man, you better get a star. And that's not Clyde's fault, but he's the one who ends up having to pay the price. You make a good point, by the way. He's he's under contract next year at $3.4 million. Um, but there would be the decision about his fifth-year option, which I think is, at this point it should already be a, be a no chance. Yeah, it wouldn't um, be a decision. I yeah. I said that literally the second the pick got made, so I'm the wrong person to judge on that because it, it would just be a lot of money for running back as a fifth year option there. But he he would have one more year under contract on that rookie deal, and at that point you assume he's either the guy at the beginning of of next season, or he is clearly not, and he's a piece maybe for somebody else or a rotational a rotational guy. Um, Nate, you you mentioned in the in your story this was even honestly just worse than I expected it to be. Uh, Edwards Alaire ranked thirty third. I don't know what your cutoff is, but thirty third in the league with minus nineteen rushing yards over expected. The difference between mm. actual rushing yards yeah. and expected rushing yards on individual play, according to NFL Next Gen stats. Um, as you have both mentioned, like th- this is a good offensive line to be behind, specifically last year, uh, specifically with what defenses are showing, and then even this year, and I'll give you a final word and then Nate and I can keep unpacking it, Seth, but with this year, bringing some things offense-wise, uh, even with like the bigger receivers who are going to be able to help more in blocking potentially. Oh yeah, that this, matters. This really sets up well for him, I think, if there is something to still be achieved. So, uh, outside of just the what to gain, what to lose scale, do you are you willing to get into prediction territory, obviously, like before training camp and seeing how he looks in person? Um... It's or, so or what, hard. What, what's, I don't want to say prediction. Let me reasonable expectations. I, mm. I think he's shown enough to to think it's reasonable to say that he's going to force um, to to have a relatively even split between himself and the other running backs. He is really talented. Um, there's a reason why you know Mahomes texted Veach Clyde. Uh, what he showed in college was really impressive, but. I think it's a it's it's a relatively reasonable expectation, but I don't know if three years in, you know, or into year three, I guess is more fair. 
Um, the only thing that you can really hope is that injuries have really been a, a problem for him in those flashes because well, yeah. he's had some games where he's played really, really well and you can see it and you're like, okay, well, is that the normal him? Then he kind of gets hurt. So I think it's reasonable to expect that if healthy, he hangs on to some of the job. Can- I don't know if it's reasonable to expect that he completely holds Jones and McKinnon at bay though. And that's just going to be, that's just kind of where it's at right now. Cause you know, two years is a long time in the league, especially for a running back. Cause you generally don't see running backs like, you know, develop a ton over the years. You know, it, it's just True. a different position. Can yeah. can I read you another stat that uh, is kind of startling? Um, I love that. Are you leaving, I, Seth? I want you to read it to Josh. I think you guys are awesome, but Thanks, I'm Seth. a team leader at Vacation Bible School, and I'm so running perfect. late. So I so will talk perfect. to you guys later. We, also, hey, don't forget to take an extra 60 seconds to budget out to put on your Bible man costume. I'd hate for you to get there and forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, you, buddy. He, just, he wasn't going to say it back. He Seth's, un, Seth's uncomfortable with uh, intimacy, so he, and, he just did out of the Zoom. And appreciation. Yep. And, yep. You know. But you are, I will be, to be honest, you're the, by far the most comfortable with it. And I'm trying to learn from you in that regard. And I think Seth's really trying to build up his walls. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's everybody's journey's a little different. That's, That's okay. right. That's right. We're trying to bring him along. What's your, <laughs> what's your other Clyde stat? Can you, can you tell me, uh, can you guess, I, I guess I'm forcing you to guess, what the longest career rushing Oh man, yards it, Clyde at Rosalier had because it's still kind of, it's still kind of difficult to 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 grasp. Yeah. yeah, I if I'm really 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 trying, to, I think because <sighs> it didn't occur last season. It it occurred as a rookie. Jeez, I think it's like twenty four yards. Is it less than that? It's a little bit more than that. Okay. Um, right. In the in the rain soaked game against the Buffalo Bills in of October of 2020, my Twitter mentions were unsalvageable during that game. I remember it well. <laughs> uh, he had a 31 yard uh, run. Okay. And All again, right. this is this is an play. This was in a game where the Bills never blitzed. Yeah. And they were playing a lot of cover four to cover six. They sprinkled in a little bit of cover two, but they were obviously. Even in a rainstorm, <laughs> concerned yes. about trying to defend Patrick Mahomes, and literally had linebackers backpedaling at the yes. snap. That's the that that is the the mental image of that game that I truly have is linebackers going backward at the snap on first and ten. Yes, so he did have a thirty-one yard uh, rushing attempt in that game. He he sprinkled in a couple twenty-seven yard attempts, um, and then last year, and this is this is one where. It's a bit circumstantial because he only played 10 games because of the injuries. But it does say something that as the offensive line, as we understood it, was very good last season. Mm-hmm. His longest rush was 17 yards. Yeah. 22 no- in the playoffs. I, I checked just to make sure yeah. nobody can cite us on this one. Yeah. 17 yeah. In the regular season on 10 games. 119 rushes there. And then in uh, 13 carries in the playoffs, he, he took one for 22. His longest rush in the regular season occurred in the red zone. Hard to do, kids. Wow. That's like a logic problem. 17 yards against the Eagles in the red zone. And you like we're in a different category now, and I'm I'm not this none of this has to do with draft slot at this point, right? I'm just this is just for the running backs right now. If I'm 
if I am not even using a lot of assets on a running back, if I'm just centering my offense around one particular running back, if I'm just ranking my backs, I think the thing that would most determine who I would want as my number one running back would be big playability potential because it it means hitting a hole and then all of a sudden you're housing it instead yeah. of it being a, a gain of seven yards or something. I'm not even sure if that's like super analytically right-minded, um, but that's just like my knee-jerk reaction is that the most the most special running backs I remember watching are like Jamal Charles and Chris Jones. Or not Chris Jones, Chris Johnson. Chris Jones would be a special running back, I bet, for different reasons. Mm. Um, but like that, that ability to totally change the game on a carry is it really is a tremendous amount of fun. Yeah. So this is not that. Yeah, so he um so yeah, let me let me make sure I, I double check this cuz when I look at the box score, it says he had maybe his seven, his 17-yard rush was uh, this is the beauty of technology, kids. Um we'd have to be like in a library right now with some <laughs> with some film under a projector if this was 20 years earlier. <laughs> He uh, it was it was seventeen yards to Philly's fifteen yard line, so that was going into the red. Got them into the red zone. Now, okay. now, now I'm gonna double check uh, True Media, who does a great service for us um, in terms of the advanced stats, um, and obviously you can sort of parse things out and you know look at look at the data in a much more comp- and it's better to do this obviously when the season is not going on because you're just obviously I'm just focusing on one player from a comprehensive standpoint, but yeah, like he. He played, you know, and it's and this is in the story. Like he played his best in the red zone, which is yeah. also, you know, a good sign for a running back. Mm-hmm. But but just, you know, in the middle of the field, he he just was not great, especially at that yards over expectation. It really tapers off, you know, on the no, not on the plus side of the field or in or in uh, midfield area. It's it's yeah. pretty wild. It's just really, it's just really, really interesting. It, it's it, his entire time in Kansas City has obviously been very front of mind for most of us. Obviously, for me, just talking about that leading up to the draft, I still have to get tased, etc. But <laughs> I am, I really am, and, and this is something that really also started by just reading you guys, which is the magic of theathletic.com and the Chief of the North newsletter. If you're not subscribed to those two things, you really are missing out on truly special content for both these guys. But it's it's the special thing about reading those and, and coming back to the to the center where I've been thinking about the pass rush and the offensive line and the pass catchers and everything. But the the path of Clyde's time in Kansas City leading up to what this year is going to look like. I let let me make this maybe our, our last at least my last question for and you can expand that however you want. I don't know how I would answer what I asked Seth about reasonable expectations. Because I, re- I really think that there is probably a world in which Clyde Edwards-Elaire is like a top 15 fantasy running back this year. I didn't go 10, but it could be 10. The way that, that football is structured, there aren't a lot of number one, true number one running backs anymore. There's maybe right. five or six of them on top of right. my head. Even Nick and, Chubb and, has Kareem Hunt, you know? And, and can Christian McCaffrey stay healthy? I would love right. to see it. I want to see right. 17 games. Of Christian McCaffrey against eleven dudes, because yes, absolutely, because yeah, because because yeah, have you seen the have you seen the Panthers roster? Because yeah, I, like, mean, I mean, as as previously discussed, as long as he's healthy through the entirety of Week One, that's a good place to start. Kids, the only the only kid who 
is doing what I'm asking, well, I guess there's two players. There's only two running backs that are doing what I'm asking, which is you against 11. That is yep. Gail Sayers and Barry Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> so good luck, Christian McCaffrey. Good luck, Christian. <laughs> good luck, man. It might just be it's you and Baker Mayfield. Do you like guys they, met yet? Like there, there is a smidge of Jerome Bettis oddly in that mix Ooh. because he never played with a good quarterback to the very end. When obviously you know they they drafted Ben Roethlisberger, but like he, he, just again weird things that you do on the internet with your free time. Look at Jerome Bettis's career, also wildly weird. Like just man, it's a different sport now, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Like, we're asking Christian McCaffrey to do the same things Jerome Bettis did and more. Please do yes. more. Have you hey, seen our roster? <laughs> be be the best slot receiver in football while also doing the job that Jerome Bettis <laughs> that did at 5'11", 252, <laughs> with a career yards per carry of 3.9. And is he in the Hall of Fame? No, oh, that man's wearing a gold jacket. Hell a yeah, he is. gold jacket. Hey, I love it. If they don't call you the bus, you ain't getting in with 3.7. <laughs> he averaged more than four yards per carry. Three. Well, uh, if you go back to his rookie season. But with, yes. with, uh, but that's, if, tight, with like, that's what I'm saying, though. It's incredible. It's, yeah. an, it's an incredible career. And Jerome Bettis, very good football player. But also... Extremely. It's a different sport, y'all. This oh. this game done changed. Okay, we're talking about running backs, and and I wanna I wanna here's I'd like I don't know if I've made this take on this show before, and if oh. I haven't, if I haven't, I have a running backs take that I need to get off my chest. <laughs> I need this to be on the record because, as I've said before, it makes me sad that people think that my hatred of of using a lot of assets on a running back means that I hate running backs. I don't. I've always loved running backs, and one man I need to make this point. Frank Gore absolutely, oh. with every drop oh. of blood he has spilt, with every bead of sweat he has put under the gridiron, he has been 4.3 yards per carry at a time in recent years, more like 3.5. Three yards at a time, Frank Gore has dragged his way to Canton, Ohio. <laughs> if that man is not a Hall of Famer, I don't know who he is. Then what are we, yeah, then look, what are we, what are, what are we he, asking oh, for? He was, he was never the best running back in the league at the... I don't care. He was a professional running back for basically my entire consciousness. From 2005 through 2020, he played the most physical sport in the world at the most difficult to maintain position in that sport. That man is a Hall of Famer. I would also put Jamal Charles in for the with totally different, you know, totally different right, uh, right. Uh, scale. He was the most incredible meteor shooting across the sky I've ever seen at that position. Frank Gore was the most incredible, <laughs> consistent car from 1962 to 2020. That that car drove with nothing but oil changes and new brake pads. A to and B, then kids. that's impressive. Put A to both B. of them in the Hall of Fame. A to B. Where are we, where are we trying to go? A to B. We trying to go from first and ten to second and five. All right, coach. A to B. A to B. <laughs> Here we go. We, we want to get short yardage on second down. All right, give it to Frank. Hey, we want to get – it's third and one. What do we do? Give it to give Frank. Give it to Frank. Coach, it's third and seven. Do not give it to Frank. That's okay. He did his job. The reason it's third and seven is because he got you three yards and then you threw an incompletion. Oh, man. It's 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 a great sport. It really it is. It is. It's and because then, there are so many different ways to be great at it. And then you see the different errors, and you're like, this is impossible to comprehend. Yes, Which, yes. again, I know Seth is going to send us the thing about John Elway. 
I don't know, guys. I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't, guys. I can't. All right? Like, John Elway's great. He's He was certifiably great. Um, you know. But look, like, just, just do yourself a favor, y'all. Google or YouTube Warren Moon highlights. Mm. They are ridiculous. And I think he is still the best quarterback that's ever played in the city of Houston. Ooh. Kind of hot take-ish. I like but, it. But kind of not. Yeah. Kind of not. So, I mean, yeah, you can look through any era. Um, I love the sport for that. You only get a certain amount of time, which you you did a very good job explaining, like, just the rigors of the sport and, like, how much you can physically maximize your body in a short period of time. We're not talking Frank Gore time. But for Clyde, it's like... It's now, it's right now, baby. Like, if it's yep. not now, when? If it ain't when? So, he, I, I appreciate that he understands that, um, that he's got high expectations of himself. And relatively staying healthy is really the biggest key. Like, will we get to week eight and he's on a consistent performance? We know what to expect going into whoever they're playing that week. Um, because that just hasn't been the case in his career. And obviously you make much big, you make, you make a bigger name of yourself in January. And I think that's one of the hardest things for him to sort of wrestle with is because for one year, he maximized just about everything at LSU and they won a national championship because of it. That, by the way, team was stupid good. Um, stupid good, (laughs) but, uh, they might end up being the best collection of pro players ever from one college team. I I can't say that definitively. Yeah. On offense. Yeah. On offense specifically, like on offense, you just look at them and you just go like, they made Trevor Lawrence look average y'all. Cause Trevor Lawrence was like, I got to score on every possession. And LSU was like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Did you not expect to have to do this? (laughs) Did you, you got to score. Every time. Oh. They, that, I mean, it was just Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Why can't you cover them? <laughs> and, like, they had Randy Harris Moss. Harris Marshall Jr. They had Randy Moss's kid as, like, the fifth option, y'all. Nuts. Just a nuts team. Um, so, what, I, what, what really robs Clyde is the fact that he's been injured or coming off yes. of an injury, I guess, is probably the better way of saying it, going into the postseason where – if he's healthy in January, that may make a real difference for a team that, you know, will have to have a more of a balance running in and passing the football when the games matter most. Hello. This certainly isn't how I uh, envision this or plan this, uh, but but I am going to retire. Uh, this is not an easy decision. Uh, honestly, it's the hardest decision of my life. August 24th, 2019, Andrew Luck is wearing a Colts t-shirt and shorts, his left ankle is wrapped, he's awkwardly shuffling back and forth behind a podium on the bottom floor of Lucas Oil Stadium, confirming the news that had rocked the sports world an hour earlier. He was done with football. For the last four years or so, I've been in this cycle of injury, pain, rehab, injury, injury, pain, rehab. Torn cartilage in his ribs, a lacerated kidney, an injury to his throwing shoulder that had knocked him out for an entire season, and in 2019, a calf and ankle injury 
that just wouldn't heal. Luck and his body were trapped in an unrelenting loop. It's, <laughs> it's been tiring. I, I feel tired and not just in the physical sense. It didn't feel real then, and in a lot of ways it doesn't feel real now. That night, I watched a 29-year-old franchise quarterback, the very player the Colts moved on from Peyton Manning for, give up the game he loves three weeks before his 30th birthday. Broken down, battered, his love of the game gone. Felt stuck in it, and the only way I see out uh, is, is to, to no longer play football. That night, I saw a man who'd been drowning for four years. It was confounding, but more than that, it was sad. It's taken my joy of this game away. Uh, and uh, this, sorry. Luck never expected to retire like this, never wanted to retire like this in a late night impromptu press conference. But an hour earlier, while the Colts were playing a home preseason game, with Luck standing on the sidelines, ESPN's Adam Schefter broke the news that Luck was done with football. You see Andrew Luck on the sidelines. There is a report that has been filed by Adam Schefter of ESPN that Andrew has informed the team of his desire to retire from the National Football League. The shocking news worked its way through the stands, creating an unreal scene inside Lucas Oil Stadium. Colts fans booing Andrew Luck, the franchise's biggest star. Yeah, I'd be lying if I didn't say I heard the reaction. Yeah, it hurt. I'll be honest, Chap. It hurt. He was once labeled the greatest quarterback prospect since John Elway. And in the early part of his career, Andrew Luck more than lived up to all the hype. There was just this joy to his game. He flung it all over the field. He screamed like a six-year-old. He ran straight into linebackers and then would help them up off the ground afterwards. He told defensive ends great hit after they'd driven him into the turf. He led seven fourth quarter comebacks as a rookie. He won playoff games. This is a guy who in his retirement press conference that night literally thanked the game of football. And I guess in a philosophical sense, I want to thank football for so many wonderful moments in my life and the pressure, circumstances, environment that pushed me to grow, learn, change in so many meaningful ways. It's the greatest team sport in the world. Sitting there, listening to Luck try to explain something that was both completely unbelievable and at the same time, completely understandable. I kept asking myself one question. How in the world did we get to this point? And after 2016, where I played in pain and was unable to regularly practice, I made a vow to myself that I would not go down that path again. Come to the proverbial fork in the road. Uh, and and I, I made a vow to myself that if I ever did again, I would choose, choose me in a sense. I woke up the next morning and the first thought in my head was, did that really happen? And over the years that have followed, there have been times watching the Colts shuffle from one quarterback to another that I'll find myself asking the very same thing. And I know, I know the Colts' top decision makers, owner Jim Irsay, general manager Chris Bauer, head coach Frank Reich, have done the very same. How does one of the greatest quarterback prospects ever end up walking away from the game before he turned 30 years old? Over the course of the last five months, we've asked everyone, from Bruce Arians to Tony Dungy, from David Shaw to RG3, from Chuck Pagano to Peter King, Tom House, Chris Ballard, and dozens more. That is the question this podcast will try to answer. 
I'm Zach Kiefer from The Athletic. Welcome to Luck. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.